I actually volunteer at, a, at my kid's school, and my husband's second cousin's wife is the teacher, so she's Mrs. Roth. So when I come into the classroom, I'm the tall Mrs. Roth. She says, seventh graders, you go do math with the tall Mrs. Roth. Hmm. Courage. When you first heard about the theme of retreat, I'm wondering what your thoughts were. Where does your mind go when you first hear the word courage? Does it go to where you need courage? Does it go to where you wish you had courage? Does it go to where your courage faltered? And I don't know your story, but I know you have a story. And I know that you have an interaction with this word and with this thought and that you came this weekend wondering, maybe some of you were eager and hopeful. I'm looking forward to looking at how to walk with courage. Some of you might have been wondering, are they gonna push my buttons? <laughs> Is this going to be hard? Are they going to push? Are they going to ask questions like, what do you edit out? And how might the Holy Spirit want to use that to connect you with others and to give you hope this weekend? One of the things that Laura said was that we often try to control how we are perceived. And I love the way God works and works things together because that's really kind of where I want to go tonight. See, there are those things in life that are what we would consider the big things and, and the big mountain. And we think, well, we need courage when we're facing the really big trials in life. And some of you have some of those right now, just bona fide, verifiable. It's a big deal. And you need to know that if that's what you're processing this weekend, you're in the right place. And some of us have things that in our own world, we kind of talk down to ourselves and we're like, well, that's not a big deal. That's not as big as a divorce or a death in the family or the big, you know, the big losses that we list out. But, but we find that we don't have the courage to try the exercise plan again <laughs> or to, this one's kind of silly, but to wear the clothes you want to wear. Anybody else have that? I actually am a little bit of a flamboyant soul. Not a lot, but a little. But I grew up in a don't look awkward, don't look too different, because then that's when people laugh at you. So I sometimes just need courage to dress the way I want to dress, because what are people going to think of me? I mean, those types of things we bump into, and they're, they're actions, and they're things that we're making choices about on a regular basis. And some of you have some of those looming right now. You know you'd like to have the courage to do... I don't know, take piano lessons, teach piano lessons, go back to school, drop out of school, <laughs> start something with your kids that you've really been wanting to do, but if you're like me, you kind of start routines and then they... Okay, this was funny. About a month ago, I decided, that's it, I am really getting our chores organized. And I sat down at the computer for about an hour and I made Abby's chore chart and Titus's chore chart and Josiah's chore chart and our family chore chart. I mean, I made charts. And about 10 days later, Josiah said, Mom, where are all the charts? Because <laughs> I like getting organized, I don't like the follow through. And I needed courage to pull out that family chore chart because what, what happens at our house is they get home from school and they say, what are my chores? And I kind of look around and I go, oh, you dust, you put away the laundry that's been on the couch for two days and you kill the spiders because there's a lot of them. I mean, I just kind of decide things. And since I'm going to be gone this weekend and then I'm actually also gone next week, I pulled out my organized one and it took courage for me to put it back on the counter and say, okay, we're going to try this again, even though my follow through last time was terrible. Um, 
when we have things that we've tried in the past and they're really how we want to be and who we want to be, it's hard to try them again, even though it's how we want to be and who we want to be. Those are things that take courage. The thing I want to talk about tonight, though, is the courage that it takes to bring our real selves present into real time. And as Laura started talking, I, first of all, and Laura and I have had this conversation, um, she brought up the irrational, she had a good phrase, I wrote it down, irrationally sensitive to feeling left out. And when she and I had that conversation the first time, I said, oh, we should be friends. Because that's one of mine. My, one, of the, my, one of my big red buttons is a sense of belonging. Do I belong here? Are, do these people really want me here? Or are they just being nice? This fear of being left out. As a matter of fact, I don't sleep well in cars because if I close my eyes, inevitably somebody says, oh, what was that? And I sit up because I just missed out on something. I hate to miss out on things or to feel left out. How do we have the courage to get up every day and bring our real selves into that day? into the sphere of influence, into the real time, into the places that we're going to be with the people that we're going to be with. Because see, God created you and I with a distinct and unique beauty and strength that we were given to show the world. The Bible says that we, that God, we are God's craftsmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us. He, before the creation of the world, had a design for you and had a design for me, and that's our beauty. And we get really confused because we think beauty has to do with which boots I'm wearing. And what my daughter asked me the other day, oh, I wish I could remember the, the phrase that brought us into the conversation, but somehow we were talking about beauty coming from the inside, and she just couldn't get it. Abby's eight, and she said, well, what do you mean? And we were talking about the difference between having our hair combed and the right clothes on, and what, oh, I know what it was. We were down at Ikebox. If you've never been to Ikebox, it's a great coffee shop in town. And on the wall in the bathroom is a quote that says something like, a woman is never more beautiful than when she believes herself to be beautiful. And my daughter said, how can that be true? How just believing that you're beautiful, how does that make you more beautiful? Well, when we believe that we're beautiful, we live beautiful. And that beauty rises up from inside who we are, and it's what comes out. It comes out in our smile. It comes out in our friendliness. It comes out in the way we interact with others. It comes out in the fact that we don't have to live with fear because we believe that there is a beauty in us that is worth giving and that is worth seeing, and we have something to offer. So how do we wake up every day and have the courage to offer that beauty? And why is it so hard? Yeah, the quote, go to the bathroom in Ikebox and get it perfectly. <laughs> but I think it's something like a woman is never more beautiful than when she believes herself to be beautiful. Yeah, you bet. I'm sure I don't have the wording exact, but it's something like that. See, the reason it's so hard for us is because when we bring what's really true and let that be the front-running part of who I let you see, then my real self is really vulnerable in real time. If I just bring my false image, if I just bring to you what I want you to see and you reject that, that's okay. You didn't see the real me. It hurts. It's a little bit hard, but it's easier to deal with. But if I bring how I really feel, if I bring what I really think, and I get a negative reaction, then that has more pain, that has more roots, that goes deeper, and it's risky, and it's scary, because if my true beauty is on the table, 
then my vulnerability is just right out there on a platter. And it's really hard for us to live with that level of vulnerability to people who are going to hurt us. We're humans. It's a broken world. They don't mean to hurt us. They're not being malicious. I'm not being malicious, but something is going to get said or something is going to get done and it's going to trigger my insecurities and I'm going to go right back into my shell and it's going to be harder if what was out of my shell was what I really believe God created me to be. The beauty and the destiny, the purpose that he has for me. I like to call it our divine destiny. By that, I mean the purpose that God purposed for you before the creation of the world. It's our divine destiny. It's, it's not that I have a destiny to be divine. <laughs> it's that there is a divine hand at work on my life, and he has a destiny for me, and that's what I want to live into. But it is hard for me to live into that destiny because it's risky, it's scary, and I'm afraid of being hurt. So what do we do? How do we do that? How do we walk into it? Hmm. One of the things that's unique to us as women is that we have influence. We have influence in our family. In the same ways that we tend to be the ones looked to as caregivers, that caregiving gives us influence. We have influence in our community. How many of you are in your kids' classrooms or the team mom for a sport or Cub Scouts? Or how many of you have a group of women that you get together with for a book club or have a place that you walk or, or, the, or your place where you go exercise and you meet people that on a regular basis? You have influence and you have a place that's your sphere of influence where you are rubbing off, where you are reflecting Christ. And as we do life with our neighborhood and our workplace and our families, we are called to bring that divine destiny to the forefront and live into that. And that's what takes courage. And why is it so hard? And where do we hide? See, I think we hide behind entertainment. It's way easier to sit and watch somebody else's adventure than to take the risk of going out to live our own adventure. I think we hide behind the status quo. I learned early on, I mentioned this already, if you don't stand out for anything good or bad, then you never get laughed at. <laughs> so just don't stand out. Just kind of, I actually learned this more recently. I heard it from a checker at Walmart who mentioned to me after I had been waiting in line for a very long time that when he first came, he was really working at doing a good job, but then he just realized that people around there had a pace and you just kind of should adopt the pace. He told me this as I'd been waiting for 20 minutes. I thought, don't tell customers that you've adopted the pace. This just live into the status quo and don't make a mark for yourself one way or the other. I think we hide behind fashion. I think as women, it is easier for us to watch what's going on, watch what's recommended, and to, and to enter into fashion and let that become the forerunning piece of what people see about us. And for some people, that's beautiful. It's who they are, it's what they are, and you can tell their personality by the way they dress. For other people, it is not because what they're trying to do is become something they're not and give off a persona that they're not because they think that's who you want to see. And so one of the things we need to realize is that there can be 
an action that's the same for one woman and another woman, but it can be coming from two different motives, and one is living courageously and one is still hiding. And that we don't, we can't look at the surface and go, oh, she's living courageously and she's not, she, it's not that easy and it's not ours to judge. The only heart that we know is the one in here, and we know what God is prompting us to do and how he's prompting us to live. And we know the places where it's hard for us to take those steps into who we truly are. It takes courage to live daily, present, offering the best of me and engaging in the world and not hiding. So how do we do this? I want to take a look at John 16. Um, It's verse 33. And it says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Um, This is Jesus. It's towards the end of his life. He has a whole bunch of chapters there that's kind of giving his disciples final words, and he knows that he's headed to the cross, and then he's headed to the resurrection and to heaven. He's not going to be with them much longer. And I've always loved this one, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And as I looked into this um, theme of courage and spent some time in the Bible looking at courage, another verse that I really thought a lot about that we're going to spend some time on on um, Sunday morning is when the disciples are out in the boat and Jesus comes to them walking on the water. And they're terrified. And he says, take courage, it is I. And as I began to look through verses and look at where were verses that were talking about courage, what I discovered was this phrase in John 16, in this world, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world, is the same word that he uses when he's walking on the water and they're terrified and he says, take courage. In one place it's translated take heart and in the other it's translated take courage because the thing that we need when we have trials and sorrows in this world is to take courage. What we're gonna do this weekend is we're gonna look at Jesus because if we know that we have a divine destiny and we know that there's a beauty created us, that number one, we have a hard time admitting that I have beauty, that's a hard, I say that and you're like, oh, how can she say that <laughs> without being prideful? And there's a humility that comes from just speaking the truth. Ladies, you are gorgeous. You have such a deep beauty inside you that God wants to bring out. And it's not humility to say, I'm not beautiful. It's humility to say, the beauty that comes from within is the beauty that God gave me. And in order to live into our created beauty, we have to accept that we have created beauty. And that might be the first step for some of you this weekend. But also in order to live into that, we have to let go of our fears of what's going to happen if we put out our very, very best And what happens if that isn't enough for the people around us? So we're going to look at the life of Jesus because he came to earth to rescue us from our sins, to die and rise again, and to show us how to live on this broken planet. He came to earth to show us how to take heart, to show us how to take courage. And so what we're going to unpack this weekend is this idea of what's the source of our courage, Where does courage come from? Where does it begin? What is it anchored into? What are the roots of courage? What does courage grow out of? And then we're going to turn and look at what are some of the fruit of courage? What does it look like in our life? How are we acting? How are we living? What does it look like when we're living with this everyday courage that has the courage to bring our true self, our unedited self, to bear on each day as we move forward? We're going to look at the fact that Jesus knew Scripture. 
We're going to look at the fact that Jesus knew his father, and we're going to look at the fact that Jesus knew his divine destiny. And from those places, he was able to speak the truth in love. He was able to suffer well. He was able to bring healing and light to those who were broken and hopeless. He was able to train up a band of 12 motley men who would change the world by the power of the church of Jesus Christ, all because he was able to live with the courage, with the heart that God had given him. As I looked up courage, the, um, I'm not a real, I've mentioned this before, I don't actually know Greek or Hebrew, but you don't have to know Greek to say, now in the Greek, here's what it means, because there's all these online engines that you can look at. So this one's from Strong's Concordance, and it's really not hard. You look up the verse you want, you click on the word, it tells you what the Greek is, and then it tells you where else that word is used in scripture, okay? So as I looked up this word courage that's used both when the disciples were terrified and Jesus was walking on the water and he said, take courage, and when he was preparing them for his departure and he was telling them, I have told you these things so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. This idea of heart is central to the word courage because the word courage comes from something French, which I believe is core, and it's the word for heart. And It's fascinating to me that courage is a heart issue, not a head issue. As a matter of fact, let's see if I can find the quote that I wrote down for you. This is what comes from having your notes all over a spiral notebook. But it has to do with this. Courage has to do with our emotional strength as opposed to our intellectual strength. So it's the quality of mind or spirit that enables a person to face difficulty, danger, or pain. It's the heart as the source of emotion, and it has to do with our heart. So it's the center of the total personality, especially with reference to intuition, feeling, or emotion. Here's the one I was looking for a second ago. It's the center for emotion, especially as contrasted to the head as the center of the intellect. So we've got the head as the center of the intellect, we've got the heart as the center for the emotion, and what we're talking about this weekend is courage, which is born out of the heart. And I want to point out that it's different than confidence. I think confidence comes from what we know in our head, and I think courage comes from what God is rising up in our heart. It's different from competence. Competence is when we've learned something, we've learned how to do it. Now, it might take courage to do that in a certain setting, but, but courage is flowing out of the heart, and these other things are flowing out of our head. And so the invitation this weekend is to enter in with your heart to everything that's going on and to recognize that in our brain, we've got our left brain and our right brain. Our left brain is the more intellectual, logical, linear side. And our right brain is the more holistic, I can't really put words to this, but there's something big going on in my life right now. The artistic, the creative, the the side that processes things differently than intellectual, linear, and logical. And in our Western culture, we lean heavily on the left side of our brain to look at things intellectually, logically, point by point, line by line. And some of the things that we have set up for this weekend are things that are trying to engage the right brain, this holistic, I can't really put words to it, to this topic and idea of courage. Um, So for example, the Stations of the Cross. Um, Tomorrow, when we dismiss to workshops, which Sarah is gonna explain more, 
during part of the time, your group is going to be slated to go through the Stations of the Cross, which is going to be a room set up above where you registered. It's called the Fireside Room. And it's a place to go through several steps of reflecting on what Christ did for us on his way to the cross, and it ends with a self-guided communion. It's quiet, it's in solitude, nobody's gonna teach you about it, it's a self-guided time, and the purpose is to give you an opportunity to put down some roots into a part of courage that maybe isn't as linear and logical and, and to the point of the way that maybe you've done it before, and I would encourage you to engage and enter in, even if it is a different way of doing it than you've done it before. You might get to a workshop and something's being talked about or presented or you're being invited to do something that's different than the way you've done it before. Take a risk and try it. Take courage and enter in courageously to the things before you this weekend. One of the things I do want to say about this weekend is that the reason we do all of this, the reason we pull away and come to Cannon Beach and, and, and do all of this is because we recognize that we need to connect with God, we need to connect with others, and this is a prime place for filling up our tanks. As women, as humans, we have people who are draining our tank every day. There are things that we pour out to, there are things that we're giving to, and most of us, I would venture to guess, have come to this relatively empty. <laughs> Some of us very, very empty. Some of us beyond empty, like, Scrape me up off the bottom. I don't have any strength to get myself up. And the point of the weekend is to refill the tank, to pour in, to allow the Holy Spirit to pour in, to refuel physically, to refuel emotionally, to laugh hard together, to refuel spiritually, to receive from God's word. Some of that will be here in this room. Some of it will be through worship. Some of it will be out on the beach. Engage where you need to engage and understand that this weekend is an invitation for you to meet with God in the way you need to meet. And if that means that you need to take a nap when you're supposed to be at a workshop, then take a nap when you're supposed to be at a workshop. There aren't any shoulds or supposed tos. We believe that everything that we're presenting to you this weekend is worth being at, but we also know that every woman comes from a different place in a different season of life, and you know what you need. So listen to God, take a walk on the beach when you need it, and go play bunko when you need it. Engage with people when you need it, and disengage and go do what you need to do alone if you need to. But this weekend is a gift to you from the Father for refilling your tank and hopefully gaining some tools for how to refill your tank on the go when you're back home. One of the keys, and I'm gonna wrap up with this, one of the keys to this idea of heart courage is that sometimes the thing we fear, the fear is worse than the thing we fear. <laughs> So we don't want to take this risk of putting our real stuff out there and, we're, and we need courage to do the thing that is on our mind to do. We need courage for the thing to face that you were thinking about when you were driving over here. And yet what we're afraid of, the fear that we're living in, the anxiety that we're living in over that thing is actually worse than if the thing came true itself. Sometimes the problem is in our imagination. Ernest Hemingway in his uh, book Men at War said it this way. Cowardice, as distinguished from panic, is almost always simply a lack of ability to suspend the functioning of the imagination. I'm going to say that again. It's almost always simply a lack of ability to suspend the functioning of the imagination. 
how much of what blocks my courage and how much of what blocks your courage is actually in our imagination? My husband Jeff says it this way, part of taking courage is taking every thought captive. That one's in the Bible. <laughs> that we take every thought captive, that the enemy is, throw, is firing his fiery darts of deception and lies at us, seeing if he can get us to agree. And, and part of courage is taking those thoughts captive and, and thinking about what is true. And that's why we're going to focus on Jesus this weekend. We're going to look at the Gospels and how he lived, because when we look at the Gospels and how he lived, we see what's true about him, what's true about God, and we begin to see what's true about ourselves. And then, with faith, we can extinguish those fiery darts of the enemy by saying, get behind me, Satan, because what I have in my imagination and what I'm afraid is true about me is not what God says is true about me, and I can live into my divine destiny and my created beauty when I can release the fears that are actually based out of imagination and smokescreen and... If you've ever read Pilgrim's Progress, there's this place where the young pilgrim is on a journey and he's got to go into this building and there's these two roaring lions that he has to pass to get to the place where he's going. And what he doesn't know is that they are both on the end of their chains and they can't get any closer than this, but he has to walk through the middle and they can't get to him, but they're roaring at him as he goes by. And sometimes that's what's going on for you and I in these areas where we're bumped up and stuck, where we wanna move forward with courage, but we don't know how. The roaring lions are loud in our ears and we're afraid that they're gonna get us, but they have no power, they have no place, they have no connection to us. And how do we focus on on the Lord so that we can see what's true and we can know that the lions are chained because Jesus has overcome the world. We're back to John. Here somewhere, 16. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me even when the lions are roaring. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. I looked up what overcome means. It means to conquer. <laughs> it means to carry off the victory, to come off victorious, that he is victorious over all his foes. The things that we fear, the things that we imagine happening, the things that are roaring, God gives us grace and strength for what's true, not for what we're worried about. <laughs> this weekend is an invitation to lay our worries down and to come to God with what's real and to ask him to encourage us to fill us with courage. We've been reading the Chronicles of Narnia lately in my house, and one of my favorites is The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. I'm gonna set this up for you. If you've read it before, you'll recognize it. The Voyage of the Dawn Treader takes them from island to island to island where they face challenges. And this particular island is called the Dark Island. And it's where they sail the boat into the pitch black and they hear a voice calling out at them, and the voice says, mercy, mercy, take me on board. And they pull the man on board, and he says, fly, fly, fly for your lives. This is the place where dreams come true. And the sailors say, oh, then I figure this is where I'll find Helen is alive, or I'll find that. And he said, no, you fools, that's what brought me here. Not daydreams, dreams. And quickly they flip the boat around and they start rowing out and the darkness is pitch black and there's moaning and groaning and the men are starting to say, the men are starting to come up with some of their dreams. So they, hush, I hear them crawling up the sides of the ship. It's just going to settle on the mast. Ugh, said the sailor, there are gongs beginning. I knew they would. And they start to wonder how long they've been going out because they feel like they've been rowing longer out than in. 
And the stranger who had been lying in a huddled heap on the deck sat up and burst out into a horrible screaming laugh. Never get out, he yelled. That's it, of course, we shall never get out. What a fool I was to have thought they would let me go as easily as that. No, no, we shall never get out. So picture this. They're in the pitch black. They're in the place where dreams come true. They're all afraid of what is in their imagination. They're afraid of that coming true. They're afraid of these dreams that they've had. And Lucy, Lucy leaned her head on the edge of the fighting top. She was up high in the ship. And she whispered, if you've never read these, Aslan is um, uh, the lion who is the king of all lions. He's God, but I can't think of the right word for what. Thank you, he's a symbol. I couldn't think of it. Lucy leaned her head on the edge of the fighting top and whispered, Aslan, Aslan, if ever you loved us at all, send us help now. The darkness did not grow any less, but she began to feel a little, a very, very little better. After all, nothing has really happened to us yet, she thought. Look, cried a sailor. There was a tiny speck of light ahead, and while they watched, a broad beam of light fell from it upon the ship. It did not alter the surrounding darkness, but the whole ship was lit up as if by a searchlight. Caspian blinked, stared round, saw the faces of his companions, all with wild, fixed expressions. Everyone was staring in the same direction. Behind everyone lay his black, sharply-edged shadow. Lucy looked along the beam and presently saw something in it. At first it looked like a cross, then it looked like an airplane. Then it looked like a kite, and at last, with a whirring of wings, it was right overhead, and it was an albatross. It circled three times around the mast and then perched for an instant on the crest of the gilded dragon at the prow. It called out in a strong, sweet voice what seemed to be words, though no one understood them. After that, it spread its wings, rose, and began to fly slowly ahead, bearing a little to starboard. Drinian steered after it, not doubting that it offered good guidance. But no one except Lucy knew but as it circled the mast, it had whispered to her, courage, dear heart. And the voice she felt sure was Aslan's. And with the voice, a delicious smell breathed in her face. I wanna say this. We live in a broken world with broken people, and so we have brokenness in our lives. And sometimes that darkness is so thick that we think we'll never get out. And this weekend, God is whispering, look to me, look to Jesus, focus here, and take courage, dear heart. Because really, nothing has happened yet. <laughs> I need to tell you, just to set things on the right path, because Laura did a great job of starting out with living an unedited life. Um, I need to tell you that this has been a season of my life that has been a hard season, coming into this retreat. And for you, it took courage to come. And for me, I've been telling people, it takes courage to be the speaker this weekend. It takes courage to lay this out. Um, and, and not to make things all about me, but one of the pieces that I need you to know, um, you may have seen on the news this week that a man drowned in Lake Oswego. You may not have noticed that. Um, but the man was my uncle, and I was at the funeral today before I came here. And I am in the fighting top with Lucy, saying, Aslan, if ever you've loved us, help us now. Give me words. Give us what we need for this weekend. And I believe that as much as he is saying it to you, he is saying it to me. Courage, dear heart. I'm going to meet you. I'm coming to meet you. Prepare your heart. Let's prepare our hearts to meet with Jesus this weekend.